Amen. Our scripture today comes from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38. Let's read this together. It says, On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Uh, Church, let's pray together. God, in this moment, um, Lord, I recognize my insufficiency. God, that there's no power within me. All power comes from you. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Um, God, speak through me. Speak through your word. Uh, Lord, speak to me. God, I may be the one preaching, but I'm not exempt from any of these things that we're talking about. God, I need this. I need this deeply. I need this badly. God, we need this. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that as you move throughout this place, you would soften the heart, soften my heart. Um, just let us receive from you uh, the truth of your word. I pray, God, that you raise dead things to life in this place. God, I pray that we see healing, we see restoration, we see freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from depression, freedom from sickness. God, just let us see you do beautiful things in this place. We've witnessed it before, Lord, we'll do it again. So God, I pray, just do your work. Uh, I need you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, you can be seated. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you. My name is Logan Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. It's a really good crowd, especially for uh, Labor Day weekend. Lane, Sarah, y'all didn't sneak in. I see you guys. Good to see you all back there. Uh, very good to see you guys here today. Um, our lead pastor, Jeff Eaton, he is at Lake Cumberland. He is preaching there. Uh, it's a ministry that he started many, many years ago. And uh, he goes and he preaches every day, every Labor Day weekend. Um, and so I'm preaching for you guys this morning. And uh, we've been in a series these past few weeks called Thirst. And today uh, we're going to be wrapping up the series. You know, we've just been talking about what it means to thirst after God, what it means to thirst after the things of God. Um, just spend some time reflecting. Uh, last week, we spent some time uh, reflecting and thanking God for 25 years of being a church. Uh, took a little hiatus, a little rest from our series, just to celebrate what God has done and then to look forward to what he's going to do in the life of our church. Uh, but, but today, we're going to continue in and wrap up our Thirst series. So... Let's take a look at this passage here again in John chapter seven. I really just want to look at verse 37. Um, it says, on the last and most important day of the festival. So I want to stop there because um, we need to understand this festival that it's talking about here or we're not really going to understand the magnitude of Jesus' words here. And so the festival that John is talking about, the feast that he's talking about is the Feast of Booths or the Festival of Shelters, or all kinds of other names that it has for us. And so um, we need to get a good understanding of this feast, this festival. So Feast of Booths. After God led the people of Israel out of Egypt from their slavery, after he rescued them, um, he gave them seven festivals to celebrate, but three of them they have to celebrate every single year. Okay, and this is the third of those three festivals. It's a major festival, it's an eight day festival. And during this festival, they would do several different things. 
Okay, so they would take a Sabbath rest on the first day. Um, on the last day, they would take another Sabbath rest and have, hold a solemn assembly. They would do um, special sacrifice, like eight different sacrifices apart from their normal daily offerings that they would give. And um, those are several things they did. But there's two things that the people of Israel would do that I really want to highlight to help us understand how big Jesus' words here are. So uh, the first thing, that the people of Israel would do uh, was they would take branches of palm trees. They'd take branches of palm trees or of willow trees or other kind of, I guess, like expensive, really nice trees, I guess is the way you say that. Um, and they would use the branches to make these like tents. They make these temporary shelters or these booths, which is where the name comes from, right? Feast of booths, feast of shelters. They would make these and they would stay and sleep in these shelters for seven days, okay? And you, um, you see uh, the reason why they would do this is uh, found in Leviticus 23, verses 42 and 43. God's speaking to Moses. He says, you are to live in shelters for seven days, all the native born of Israel must live in shelters so that your generations may know that I made the Israelites live in shelters when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So the reason why they did this, the reason why they lived in shelters, the reason why it was called the Festival of Booths is so that they could be reminded of God's faithfulness in providing shelter for the people when God led them out of, it, out of Egypt, right? So all throughout Jerusalem, every year during this festival, I mean, little shelters everywhere. You know, they're in the, they're in the temple, they're on roofs of houses, they're in the street. Everybody from the richest to the poorest is sleeping outside in their shelters during this festival. And so, um, I can't help but think, um, like as I was studying and as I was uh, kind of preparing for this, I know a lot of people love to like camp during Labor Day, especially when it's beautiful and nice, like it's gonna be this Labor Day weekend. A lot of people go camping, a lot of people go you know, down to the lake to go fishing and things like that. Um, but I just think of my wife and her complete disdain and hatred of camping when I read about this. Like I can imagine God like giving the people, here's what you're gonna do for seven days and Caleb being like, uh, no, I ain't doing that. You make it the festival of RVs and I will maybe consider it, right? Like festival of campers, maybe I'll consider it, right? She needs the AC, you know what I mean? She needs a bed, she needs a roof. She don't need no branches hanging over her. She needs a roof, right? Tower knows, she knows. And so, but, but this is what they did, all right? And so he, he's you're like, no, you're sleeping outside in a shelter. And this is a reminder that I provided shelter for you when I brought you to the desert, right? And so that is uh, one of the big reasons why, that is the big reason why they are doing this. And so um, that, that's really the, the big thing that's happening. But there's another thing that's happening during this festival that is especially important for us to understand Jesus' words here. Throughout this festival, every single day, every single day, as they're living in shelters, a priest we get a golden cup, like a golden spoon, like a big golden chalice, essentially. And he would go to the pool of Siloam, which flowed under the temple. He would go to the pool of Siloam. He'd fill up this golden chalice, walk it up to the temple, to the altar, and would pour the water of the pool over the altar. 
And he'd do this every single day. And on the last day, they would actually march around the altar seven times for each day of the festival. And so as they were doing this, the people, this is really cool, the people would sing out together as a nation the words of Isaiah 12, 3, which says, uh, you will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. All the nation would sing this out. And they would also sing out the entirety of Psalm 113 to 118. I'm not going to read all that for you right now, okay? It's a lot. But um, they, they would sing these things out. And so we're starting to kind of get the picture here, okay? Uh, why did they do this? Why did they pour the water out? Why did they sing this? What was the purpose of them doing this? Well, there's two reasons. First, like living in the shelters, again, they were to be reminded of God's faithfulness to them in the desert, but specifically of the instance when God provided water for the people out of a rock at Horeb, right? That happens in Exodus chapter 17, verse six. Let's read this. It says, I'm going to stand there in front of you. This is God speaking to Moses. He says, I'm gonna stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. I may have forgotten to put that in. Exodus 17, six, Kim for next service, sorry. Uh, it says, I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. And when you hit or when you strike the rock, Water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So that's an incredible moment in Israelite history. Incredible moment. Why? Because, I mean, they're, they're wandering around in the desert and everybody knows there's water aplenty in the middle of the desert, right? It's everywhere, right? You just turn around, there's water. No, there's no water. It is dry, it is barren. And God says, you know what? I'm gonna give you water and it's gonna come from a rock. He says, strike the rock and water will pour out of it. It, will, it says it will flow out of the rock, okay? And the people, all the nation of Israel will be able to drink from this rock. So he provides water for them in this miraculous and beautiful way. So again, like living in the shelters, this, this, they're doing this, they're pouring the water on the altar to be reminded of God's faithfulness to them in leading them out of Egypt, okay? So that's the first reason why they pour the water. But there's another reason why they pour the water out. You gotta understand, up, up until this point in John chapter seven, when, when Jesus stands up and he speaks, up until this point for hundreds of years, the Israelites, because of their continued disobedience and rebellion to God and to his word, have been living under the occupation or the rule and the reign of an enemy nation, right? For the, there was Babylon and then it was Persia and now it's Rome. And they're still under Roman occupation, right? And so up until this point, the people have been looking forward to a day when God would raise up another Messiah-like figure, another Moses, okay, who would lead the people of Israel out of foreign occupation, just like he did out of Egypt. They're looking forward to that day. And so in Zechariah, uh, two places in the prophet Zechariah, we read a prophecy of something that will happen on the day when God raises up this Messiah-like figure. Look at Zechariah 13.1. It says, on that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the residents of Jerusalem. Look, to wash away sin and impurity. 
And then look at chapter 14, verse eight, Zechariah 14, verse eight. On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it toward the Eastern sea and the other half toward the Western sea in summer and winter alike, meaning that it's never gonna stop. This is gonna keep flowing, it's gonna keep going. And so what we have going on with the people pouring out the water on the altar, proclaiming those words out of Isaiah chapter 12, is they are looking back, they're remembering what God has done and providing water for them and delivering them out of Egypt. But they are also looking forward to the day when the Messiah would rise up, deliver them yet again from foreign occupation. And on that day, a great river would flow from Jerusalem and there would be forgiveness and restoration and newness for the nation of Israel. So basically this entire festival is like that song we just sang. They're saying, look, I've witnessed his faithfulness and we're gonna see it again and again. That, that's the whole point of the festival, right? You see, you see what I'm saying? So that is what is going on and that's what's happening. And it's against this backdrop of pouring the water on the altar that Jesus stands up on the last most important day. And he says this back in John chapter seven, verse 37 and 38. If anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink. Come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Now the magnitude of Jesus' words make a little bit more sense. Now we're kind of starting to see because everyone who heard him, everyone who was there, all the nation of Israel that is at this festival in Jerusalem, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying at this point. He's saying, look, all that you've been doing these past seven days, all the time you've, the priest has gone down to the pool and drawn water from it. Every time he's poured water on the altar, all that you're remembering, all that you're looking forward to, guess what? It's right here. It's me. He's saying, I am the rock that will be struck on the altar of the cross. And out of me will flow the living water of forgiveness that will wash away your sin and your iniquity. He's saying, I am the Messiah who is to come. I am the one who is to deliver. And out of me flows this living water. I am the spring of salvation you have got to come to to be satisfied. He is showing that the entire festival all finds its yes and amen, its complete and total fulfillment right there in him. You see that? So I'm gonna take a side note real quick. Do a, little, do a little side note here. This past week, there was another thing that happened annually, happens every year, it happened here in America, and it's one of my favorite things that we celebrate every year, and that is the beginning of college football. Woo-hoo, come on, right? I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And so uh, Kayla hates it, hates it, hates it because I am watching football. Every Saturday I'm parked and it's either on the TV or it's on my phone or it's on my computer. I'm always watching football, okay? And so I'm not a, I'm not an athlete. If you've seen me play sports, you know this. I'm very unathletic, all right? But I love sports, and so I love to watch sports. And so um, this week, college football started. We watched the Cats do work yesterday against Ball State. We're looking looking promising, all right? And so um, on Thursday night, 
there's, there's gonna be a game that I wanted to watch and it was Florida versus Utah. And I really wanted to watch this game because I love when Florida gets beat at anything and I knew they were gonna get beat because Utah's good. So I was like, heck yes, I'm watching this game, right? So um, it starts at eight o'clock and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm putting Melody down for bed and uh, just kind of doing just some stuff around the house and then um, I'm like, okay, eight o'clock, I'm gonna turn this game on, I'm gonna park it and I'm gonna watch some football, okay? So I go turn on the game. Now, if you have Spectrum in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm about to go with this, all right? So I go to watch the game, and I turn on the game, and there ain't no game. Instead, I get this big message across my TV that says ESPN is no longer a part of your cable package. And I'm like, no. Um, I don't remember approving that. Like, no, that's, no. So, so okay, maybe something's wrong with the app or maybe something just kind of happened with my login stuff. So I, I re-log in and, you know, put in the stuff. And again, same message, ESPN is no longer part of your cable package. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just restart the fire stick, see if that helps and still nothing. And so I'm like, what in the world's going on? At this point, I'm getting like frustrated because I'm like, man, Spectrum's messed up my account. Like I need to call Spectrum. And so, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do some digging see if anybody else is having this problem. So I get online and I look up ESPN Spectrum. Well, it turns out Spectrum and Disney are not happy with each other right now. Now, if you don't know, Disney owns ESPN and let's face it, half the planet at this point. And Disney and Spectrum apparently came to some financial disagreement. So Spectrum pulled out every Disney-owned channel off their off of their, uh, their streaming, okay? Now that means every sports channel that I had, that's ESPN, ESPN1, ESPN2, SEC Network, ACC Network, Big Ten Network, Pac-12 Network, all the football that I wanna watch is gone. Now ask me if I got happy about that. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you, what the heck? Because like, it wasn't even that it went away that bothered me so much. It's like, y'all knew you were in a disagreement. You gave no warning that this was a possibility because I didn't see it. But apparently like, I know people who were watching all, like all the pregame stuff was on. Like they had ESPN all the way through pregame and literally as soon as they go to kick off the ball, they shut off. They shut off right at kickoff. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm paying for that channel. I want my channel, you know what I mean? So uh, long story short, I'm getting something else. Uh, But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, But here's the point. Here's the point. Throughout the series, all right, we've been saying um, that every single one of us gets thirsty. We all get thirsty, right? Like, it is not a matter of if you get thirsty, it's when you get thirsty, right? Or it's when our souls get thirsty. It, it, the, the, the question is not if you get thirsty, it's when you get thirsty, what pool do you go to, right? Like where do you go for a drink? And so Jesus here in John chapter seven is saying, you got to come to me because out of me flows the living water. And he said this earlier to the woman at the well. If you remember John chapter four, verse 10, speaking to the woman at the well, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, And who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And so this living water, what does that mean? It means water that keeps flowing. 
It's water that doesn't stop. It's like, it's the picture of a rushing river that just doesn't stop. It doesn't run dry. And he says in John chapter seven, he says, when you're thirsty, we go to him and drink. Why? Because only he provides the living water. He's saying that the water that comes from him is not a stagnant pool like the well that the woman is at. It's not like a stagnant pool like the pool of Siloam that you have to keep dipping into and keep going back to. And he says, and guess what? If it's living water, that means it'll never dry out. Essentially what he's saying is, it'll never cut you off right before kickoff. You see what I'm saying? He's like, look, the pools you're going to, They'll cut you off. They will cut you off. They will dry out. They will stop eventually. He says, my pool does not do that. It's a river of living water. You see, we think that we will, when we get thirsty, we think that we will find all that our souls desire in things like our jobs. I mean, gosh, some of you are chasing so much out of your career. We think we'll find all that our souls desire out of our families. We think we'll find all that our souls desire at the bottom of a bottle, at an image on a computer screen, in the amount of likes and comments we get on our social media. These are all pools that we go to. But the fact of the matter is, these pools will cut you off. They will. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, 13. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves. Cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. We dig cisterns for ourselves, cisterns that cannot hold water. We put all of our hope for peace and for joy and for fulfillment and even for life itself and things that just simply can't fill us. All the while, Jesus is standing there saying, look, all that you're looking for, it's right here. I am the rock in the desert. I am the Messiah who is to come. Do you see it? Guys, we can go to him knowing there will never come a time where we will be cut off. There will never be a time when he will tap out. He is the rock that was broken for us. He is the promised Messiah. The water that flows from him never dries up, never cuts us off, never stops flowing. And he says, all you've got to do is come to me. That's all you gotta do. Come to me and I will give you living water, fountains of it. It's never going to dry out. It's a beautiful promise, isn't it? A beautiful promise. But you know what's even more beautiful is his promise doesn't stop there. The promise doesn't stop there. Look again at uh, John 7, look at verses 38 and 39 now. It says, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Listen to this. He said this about the spirit 
Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, let's notice a couple things in here. Go back to verse 38 real quick. It says that streams of water will flow from deep within who? From those who believe in me. Guess who that is? Us. You. He says, streams of living water will flow from you. Now that's confusing. Because I thought Jesus was the source of living water. Like, isn't he the source? Isn't he the rock? Like, I'm not the rock, right? I'm definitely not the rock, okay? But like, he said, but I, th- I thought he was the source. Here's what this means, okay? You ever, um, like, run out of water in your water bottle and so you go to fill it up and go to a sink or a fountain or something and when you turn it on the water pressure is unnecessarily high it's like like shoots the water like a rocket and your bottle just goes flying out of your hand you ever had that happen before it just spills your water everywhere this is the picture jesus is giving He's like, look, when you come to me, not only am I gonna fill you up, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot so much out to you, you're gonna flow out to everybody else. You're gonna, it's gonna flow from you. Like, I'm going to knock the bottle out your hand. You see what I'm saying? He's like, I am gonna fill you up so much. It's so much living water that it will spill over to everyone else around you. You will overflow with living water. That's awesome. So like, what are we overflowing with then? Like, what exactly is it that we are receiving when we get the living water from Jesus? Well, look again, verse 39. It says, he said this about the spirits. The spirit, John tells us that when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. They hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit because he'd not yet been glorified, which means he not yet died, risen, and ascended. Okay, that hadn't happened yet, but he's promising that the spirit, which is living water, the very presence of God himself with us will come. Look at Isaiah chapter 44, verse three. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Look, I will pour out my spirits. You see the connection between the spirit and water? He says, I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So even from the Old Testament, the promise of the Holy Spirit is linked with this living water that will flow from Jerusalem. It's talking about the spirit of God. And he's saying we will get so much of his presence that we're gonna overflow. There's so much of the spirit that we're going to overflow with the things of the spirit. So guess what that means we overflow with? Look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. All those things overflow out of you and into everybody else around you. So look, I I ain't just some little pool that's just gonna fill you up. I'm using you to fill up everybody else. As Jesus, as Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, like you are gonna be the water ball walking around, getting everybody a taste of me as I overflow out of you. 
As, as Jeff said, when we were talking about it, I gotta give you a little bit of Jeff this morning. He said, we're walking around giving people a swig of Jesus, okay? That's his word, not mine. Um, and so we're giving people a swig, right? And so here's the thing. Here's what we need to understand, okay? When you thirst, if you are thirsty for joy, if you're thirsty for peace, if you're thirsty for anything, you need to understand something. Your thirst is not just for you. It's not just for you. Because if you're thirsty, guess what? Other people are thirsty. And if you're thirsty, you're thirsty so that you can receive the things of God and overflow with them to give them to other people around you. I mean, I love the picture of overflowing. Like, I, I didn't even put this in my notes, but I feel like I should say it. You know, like we say all the time, it's like, I just need more of Jesus. I just need more of Jesus. And he's like, you're gonna overflow with me. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, I, I'm gonna give you so much, you literally can't contain it. What do you mean you need more? Guys, when you drink from the living water that Jesus gives you, not only do you have these things of the spirit of God in your life, you become a channel of living water to give to other people. If you are not drinking, from the fountain of living water, then guess what? Not only are you cutting yourself short, you're cutting everyone else around you short too. Because you're supposed to be a channel through whom other people receive living water. That they receive the love, they receive the peace, they receive the joy because we can't contain it. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're like, yeah, but I, I do feel that. Man, I just need more of Jesus. I, I do feel that. Maybe you're in here and you're lacking your peace. You're lacking joy. You're lacking the things of the spirit. You're lacking in self-control. You're lacking in gentleness. Maybe you're sitting here and like, not only are you not overflowing to other people, but you feel like you yourself have not even been filled. Listen, if that's the case, you need to understand something. The problem is not that Jesus isn't giving you enough. The problem is you're not drinking in the first place. It's not that he's not, not giving you enough. You're not drinking in the first place. The problem is you're going to a different pool that's stagnant and that will cut you off. That you have to keep dipping into and pouring on the altar of your own self-righteousness. That's what's happening. Because Jesus said, when you drink from me, you overflow. See what I'm saying? Listen, if you're in here and you're lacking any of these things, you're drinking from the wrong fountain. And the fact of the matter is that the fountain you are drinking from isn't sufficient enough to fill you. How could it possibly fill anybody else? What fountain are you drinking from? At this time, the band's gonna come back up. We're gonna move to the time of invitation. Here's the thing. I'm gonna give you all a couple of invitations. Look again, verse 37. John chapter seven, verse 37. I want you to pull that up real quick again, Kim. Two invitations I'm gonna give you all. Some of you all in here, first and foremost, you've, some of you all in here, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. There's an invitation here in verse 37. He says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come. 
First invitation this morning, if you are in here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, just come to Jesus. Because he is a fountain. He is not a fountain, he is the fountain of living water. Scripture says that every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, and listen, these are not my words. I know these words may be unpopular. They may not be the opinion of the world of today, but they're the words of truth. Scripture says that if we have not surrendered to Christ, we have not put our faith in him and come to him for a drink, then we are dead in our sin. And we are under the condemnation of God. And there's a real penalty called hell. But God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God does not want that for you. He does not want you to be condemned. He sent Jesus to be a fountain of living water for you to drink from. Jesus became the rock broken for you. He was perfect, never sinned. And he took all of your sin and he claimed it as his own. And he died the death that we deserved. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have life in his name. If you're in this room, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, come drink. Come to the Son. Surrender your life to him this morning. And the second invitation again is if, if you're lacking in the things of the Spirit, you're lacking in love, you're lacking in joy, you're lacking in peace, stop drinking from the wrong fountain. Because what you're drinking from is not a fountain, it's a pool, and pools dry up. But Kay and I, we got a pool, all right? I hate that thing. <laughs> because it gets dirty, and it gets gross, and I can spend all kinds of money, we gotta spend all kinds of money to buy chemicals, and we gotta clean it, and we gotta do all this stuff, and then we gotta cover it up in the winter. That thing drives me nuts, right? And then the water comes out, and we gotta keep filling it up. Jesus ain't a pool, you gotta keep cleaning. You see what I'm saying? He ain't a pool, you gotta keep filling up. He's a flowing river. And he makes you overflow. If you are drinking from the wrong fountain this morning, just pray like, God, what fountain am I drinking from? What pool am I dipping into that's not filling me? That I'm thinking will, but it's not. Jesus, reveal it to me, show it to me so that I can get rid of that pool. I can repent from that pool and I can come back to the fountain of living water. Be reminded of all that he's done for you. Look forward to all that he's gonna do. We've witnessed his faithfulness, amen? And we're gonna see it again and again. But you will only witness it if you keep going to the fountain. So during this last song that we're gonna sing together, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask the, um, I'm gonna ask the counselors to come up here at the foot of the altar. And if you just need prayer, you need confession, you need whatever you need, just come and pray with them. And we're gonna sing and we're gonna celebrate God's goodness. Uh, church, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the fountain of living water. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for being good to us, even when we don't deserve it, Jesus. You're always faithful. You're always kind. You're always good. And Lord, I pray that this morning, if we are drinking from any other pool than you, God, that we would come to the fountain. We trust you, Jesus. 
It's in your name we pray, amen. Church, let's stand. The invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason, you come.